Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Genesis, as you heard a few moments ago. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, favorites. It's something that can come up when we talk about families. And whether we like to admit it or not, we can sometimes play favorites and give more attention to someone we really like compared to someone who's really hard to like. We can pick favorites. We can choose to do things with those that we really like versus ignoring those who are really hard to like. We saw a couple weeks ago that sometimes that's expressed in how we love each other. Isaac loved his son Esau, the hunter, but Rebekah loved her son Jacob, the quiet one. And then when Isaac is on his deathbed and intends to give to Esau the blessing of the firstborn, he is deceived by Jacob with the help of Rebekah and gives the blessing to Jacob instead. Jacob, whose name can mean deceiver. Jacob, who, if you remember, also conned his brother Esau into giving him the birthright for a bowl of soup. Jacob, who in our story has fled from his brother Esau, who intended to kill him because of his deception. Today, however, we find the deceiver getting deceived. Jacob meets his uncle Laban and stays with him and works for him, and eventually Laban goes, Hey, Jacob, you're a relative of mine. Why are you working for nothing? Tell me. Tell me what you want your wages to be. And for Jacob, this was probably the easiest answer ever. Because he wanted, in return for his work, was Rachel, Laban's beautiful daughter. Laban agrees because, after all, Jacob is family, and better to give Rachel to someone trustworthy like family or at least family. So Jacob works seven years, and then he wants to collect. So Laban gathered together all of the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. So it's time to celebrate, time for the wedding night, and when the lights go out, Jacob pulls the old switcheroo on Jacob by giving him Leah instead of Rachel. And then the morning comes and Jacob rolls over. And maybe this is the point where we begin to feel sorry for Jacob. I mean, what a terrible thing, right? But maybe he had it coming. He then says to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve, you with, serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Now, I don't know why Jacob is so mad over this deception because, well, as you can see, it runs in the family and it continues to run in the family. So Jacob is told by Laban, it is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn, 
Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Now, we know that Rachel was lovely in form. She was beautiful. And we're told that Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Now, seven years is a long time. But in the end, he works 14 years for her. Now, luckily for Jacob, he didn't have to wait a whole another seven years for Rachel, though, because after a week, we see. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. Rachel was Jacob's heart's desire. He loved her. He worked 14 years for her. I mean, imagine working 14 years and not getting paid, and all you get at the end of it is a spouse. That's love. And then there was Leah. And what are we told about Leah? She had weak eyes. What does that even mean? Maybe it means she was almost blind. Maybe her eyes were dull looking. We don't know for sure. But we do know is that her sister was beautiful. And Leah was probably not. Because if she was beautiful, maybe Laban wouldn't have needed to do what he did. And I hate to say this to you, but imagine if Jacob woke up in the morning after finding Leah in the bed. But then imagine Leah being in that situation. If Leah had ever hoped for Jacob's love and thought that she could compete with her beautiful sister, all of her dreams would have been crushed as Jacob jumped out of the bed that morning. She was not loved. And just one week later, she was the displaced wife of Jacob as he took Rachel to himself. And we see in verse 31, When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. Now all is not terrible for Leah because she's able to bear children while Rachel is not. Take that, sister. So now Jacob has Leah and Rachel and they have one big happy marriage, right? The end, roll the credits. Not so much. God saw the ache in Leah's heart. And God does something about her situation by enabling her to give Jacob children. The Almighty God saw her need, and then he moved to meet it. And in the process, he was working out his plan and his promise for Jacob and his family and for all people. Leah has four kids in a row. And finally, Rachel, who is still barren, gives Jacob, her maidservant Bilhah, to bear children for her. Bilhah then has two kids. Well, then Leah stops having children, and so she gives Jacob her maidservant Zilpah, who gives Jacob two more kids. Then Leah is able to have kids again, and then she has two more boys and a girl. Aww. But what a mess. What a mess. I mean, sometimes we hear stories like we heard in the gospel reading for today, when Jesus is talking with the Samaritan woman, and he says, you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. And we want to focus on all of the problems going on there. But look at Jacob. 
He's got all these children with Leah and Bilhah and Zilpah and then Leah again. Do you think that Jesus would come to Jacob and say, go bring your wife? And Jacob says, which one? And Jesus says, you are right that you don't have just one. In fact, you've had your share of four women and have had children by three of them so far, but not yet the fourth, the one you love the most. I mean, I'm not making all of this up, right? This all happened. And Jacob isn't some innocent bystander in all of this. But finally, after all this time, God remembered Rachel. And God listened to her and opened her womb. She then has two kids, Joseph and Benjamin. And while she is delivering Benjamin, she dies. And in Genesis 35, we read, So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Now that you know almost everything there is to know about Rachel and Leah, let me ask you the most important question of the day. Who is the favorite? Well, actually, favorite is a good word, but, but really what I want to get at with you today is who is the chosen one? In the story that you've just heard, who's the chosen one? Now, if you're seeing this story through the eyes of Jacob, I think it's an easy answer. It's Rachel. He worked 14 years for her. And the Bible tells us many times that Jacob loved Rachel. And if that doesn't convince you, I mean, look at Jacob's children. Who was his favorite child? Right? Who gets the technicolor dream coat? It's Joseph, Rachel's firstborn. And then when Joseph is gone because he's thought to be dead, it becomes Benjamin. But what if we were to look at this story, not from our eyes, but from God's eyes? Who is God's chosen one? Is it Leah or is it Rachel who is God's chosen wife? The answer is not as easy, although I'm going to try to make it easy for you. Let's again look at Jacob's children. We know that Leah was unloved, yet God opened her womb, and Rachel was barren, although not in the end. Leah bore seven children to Rachel's two. So if it's strictly a numbers game, Leah wins. And while Joseph may have been Jacob's favorite son, for all of you who already may know the answer, who's the most important son in the story? What was that? Judah. It's Judah. Yes. Judah is the most important son, absolutely. Because from the line of Judah comes our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Jacob is a deceiver. He's a sinner. Both of his wives were sinners. All his family were sinners. All his descendants, you and me, were sinners. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's standards. 
We have not kept our promises. And because we are sinners, we deserve punishment. We deserve death. We deserve eternal separation from God. We deserve hell. Yet God worked in the lives of sinners. God worked in the lives of his people. God worked through Judah. And many years later, a virgin gave birth to a son who is Christ the Lord. And he lived a perfect life. And as we'll celebrate in a little over two weeks, he journeyed to Calvary, where he was nailed to a cross. And there he bore our punishment on his shoulders. He took our burdens, our guilts, our shame, all of our sins, and he died the death that we deserved. And he did this so that we would not suffer spiritual death, but that we would have life, eternal life. And because of what Jesus did, all of your sins are forgiven. He paid the price so that you can spend forever in eternity with him, so that you can live in heaven. Jacob loved Rachel enough to work 14 years for her. Jesus loved you enough to sacrifice his life for you. That is the ultimate unconditional love. That's the love of our Savior. That's the love that God has for us. And he shows it to us every single day, whether we know it or not. Now, I could probably stop right there and have you convinced that Leah's the chosen one, right? No? Anybody disagree? Okay. But I have one more reason for my selection. I read to you Rachel's death, who died giving birth to Benjamin and is buried near Bethlehem. So when does Leah die? Anybody know? It's not recorded. It shows you just how important she was. However, we do hear about Leah when Jacob is on his deathbed in Genesis 49. Jacob speaks to his sons and tells them this. Bury me with my fathers in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite to possess as a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. Although Leah was not the beautiful, loved one that Rachel was, in the end, I think and believe that Jacob understood that she was the chosen one because she gets the burial that the chosen one does because she is buried with Jacob, with Isaac and Rebekah, with Abraham and Sarah. She got the happy ending she deserved. And she did deserve a happy ending because there are a number of good things that we can learn from Leah that are useful in our lives, that I think we can relate to. The first part is about love. Leah had the basic human desire to be loved. We all have a desire to be loved, unconditionally, passionately, completely, and for who we are, rather than what we have or what we don't have. Love is a basic human desire. We want love. We need love. We desire to be loved. 
The second thing that we can learn from Leah is how to handle disappointment. Leah desired to be loved and didn't get it. Who here has never experienced disappointment? That's what I thought. People will let you down. People will fall short of your expectations, and we will let people down. We will fall short of other people's expectations. If humans could meet all of our needs, then we wouldn't need God. God is the only one who can meet every single one of our needs. How did Leah show her disappointment? Now, it's not in the text. However, I think if you read between the lines you'll discover the key to handling disappointments. It's not in fussing and complaining. It's not in growing bitter and resentful. It's not in being mean and angry. She took it to the Lord in prayer. And prayer is not just taking our wish list before God and laying it all before them. It's also taking our disappointments, our struggles, are not very fun situations in life. The Lord heard and answered. And because of that, Leah was fruitful and bore children. We need to learn to take our disappointments to God in prayer. The final lesson we can learn from Leah is how to make a good decision after being disappointed. Now, this is a tough lesson to learn because often it's in our times of disappointment that we make bad decisions. What was the good decision that Leah made? She made the decision to praise God, to praise the Lord. Look at Leah's kids. She has Reuben, which means see a son because God had seen her affliction, seen her misery. She thought, surely my husband will love me now. But he doesn't. And then she has Simeon, which means one who hears. Because God heard that she was hated and gave her another son. And then she bore another son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. His name was called Levi, which means attached. It doesn't happen. And then she has the fourth son. And this time she says, I will praise the Lord. And she named him Judah, which means praise. Finally, with the fourth son, we see Leah change from looking for Jacob's love to turning to the one who always loved her. When thinking about how good God has been to us, we should praise him. He sent his only son to die on the cross for us. How more could that get? How much more love could we be shown? Leah praised God, and God is worthy to be praised. Leah gives us the perfect time to praise God, and that is right now. Now I will praise the Lord. And the Holy Spirit, who is the, is the one who works in us, so that we do praise the Lord, and the thing to remember through all of this is that God works in our lives no matter what the situation is. Could God have created Leah as beautiful as her sister? 
Absolutely. If that had happened, maybe Jacob would have never had the sons through whom God would send the Savior to rescue this sinful world. Many people in relationships and marriages today look to the other person to fulfill their needs, to show them all the love that they need. Yet some people experience the same thing that Leah did. Not enough love, not enough care, not enough respect, not enough honor. Where people let us down, God lifts us up. When Leah named Judah, finally praising God, she turned from trying to get Jacob's love to opening herself up to God's love, which had always been there. And the problem is sin, because sin gets in the way of our relationships with people. It gets in the way of our relationship with God. It gets in the way of us going to God in prayer. It gets in the way of us praising God in all situations and circumstances. Because we can. We can pray to God. We can praise him. We just don't. Because we're sinners. And sin has done its work in our lives. It's ruined relationships and marriages and individuals. I mean, look at yourself. See all of the struggles in your life, all of your disappointments, all the times you've felt unloved. How does it feel? Not great. It hurts. So let me tell you this. You do matter. You do deserve the best. You do deserve to be loved. You do deserve everything. Not because I'm telling you, but because of what God has done for you. The world will tell you to, to look to other people, to look to things, to look to stuff, to feel loved, to feel fulfilled. I tell you to look to Leah because she looked to God and she praised him and he gave her the greatest of all loves because of his grace. And we read in 1 Peter, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God loves you. You are God's favorite. You are God's chosen one. Because he has called you out of darkness into his light so that you can praise him. And he sent his Holy Spirit to give you the gift of faith. Faith in Jesus, because Jesus saves you. And he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross and rise from the dead so that you can have eternal life with him. God does this all for you because he loves you. And because you are God's chosen ones. This is most certainly true. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.